Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rap Party, where we dive a little deeper into Sunday's message. Pastor Ray here this week with Pastor Luis. Hey. He started our new series, Ephesians, where we're looking at this amazing letter from the Apostle Paul to the Christians, the Gentile Christians who were there in Ephesus. But it's also a letter that we can glean spiritual uh, understanding, we can glean doctrines of the faith, and how to apply them to our lives. And so some people have called the Ephesian, the letter to the Ephesians the Grand Canyon of the New Testament for its beauty and for its depth. And so depth. And so we're hoping that through this series we can gain a better understanding of the riches we have in Christ and how to live in light of them. So Pastor Luis, why don't you remind us about your message this morning? What did you talk about opening up this new series? Well, today was not so much a message as it felt more like a presentation mm-hmm. to give a lot of background behind uh, the writing of a letter to the Ephesians. So my task today was uh, to really set up a foundation, uh, a good framework to approach the uh, letter um, in a contextual way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I talk a lot about the story behind the uh, church plant in Ephesus and how Paul on his different missionary journeys stopped in the key strategic places to start churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ephesus was one of them. And based on his ministry there, which lasted three years, he had um, started quite a church, uh, uh-huh. but had a lot of surrounding villages around the city center of Ephesus. And based on that, on the birth of that community of faith, um, it really um, was so influential that uh, all of Asia heard the gospel. Uh-huh. And uh, people in Ephesus were challenged in the way they were supposed to live their lives. So it was quite a revival, if right. I could use that term. Um, and uh, Paul's desire, as uh, with all the other churches that he had started, was to stay in touch with them, to keep the communication going so he could ensure that uh, the leaders who had been appointed to take care of a church would really watch over the flock, mm-hmm. but also protect them from heresies, uh, wrong doctrines. So Paul is really strengthening their faith by writing the, uh, this letter to the Ephesians. He wrote the letter, you know, five years after his last visit. And uh, so knowing all this background, knowing how it all started, uh, helps us to appreciate more of a letter and to um, not skip the important step of knowing the audience and their right. circumstances. Yeah, that's really important. I like how um, you gave the example of uh, a popular verse that's oftentimes used out of context. And it really is important that we understand um, what type of literature we're looking at, who the author is, who the audience is, what the intended, intended purpose of them writing was. And so you kind of talked about how this is an epistle or a, a letter. Um, there's other genres in scripture there's prophetic mm-hmm. uh, there's poetry there's historical works and in fact acts chapter 19 which you read this morning and mm-hmm. it's that's the historical context behind this letter so why is it important to understand what genre we're looking at why is it important to realize that ephesians is a letter to a group of people well because the genre will teach you how to uh read it properly and apply it to your life mm-hmm. so you don't um you don't find theology 
in a poem, for example, necessarily. I mean, you have elements of theology, mm-hmm. but the poem is not written to uh, give you a theological insight about mm-hmm. God. It's uh, it's an expression of praise. It can be an expression of lament, of different things like this. So um, if you turn to uh, history books, uh, they're not meant to, you know, express uh, an ar- artistic view of God. Or mm-hmm. They're meant to give you facts about what happened. And so the letter... Uh, implies a, a relationship. So if you want to appreciate a letter, uh, whether that's written from Paul or Peter or James, uh, then you, know, you need to know about the author, you need to know about the audience, and that will determine the way you will inter- interpret the, um, the specific verses that you're reading. And I mean, I should also specify here that uh, verses were not part of the original Bible. Right, you know, yeah. They were added for the sake of um, helping the the reader to know when to stop, where to pick up, and to find really specific portions of scriptures. But um, in the original text, people were writing letter and they were reading the letter uh, out loud to a congregation. So people would sit down and listen to Paul, um, you know, Paul's encouragement or Paul's corrections, and and they were soaking it in. But they were not like, oh, I like the verse three of what Paul said here. Right. Uh, no, it was really a different uh, approach. So when you have all that in mind and you know the genre, then you it's a safety guard. I think it's a, it's like a, a safety net for you to not make mistakes in how you're going to apply it to your life. Uh, and, and again, like every author is different. Every author has a different style. And uh, often when people think of an inspired word of God, they feel like they have this um, kind of... Uh, uh, idea that God speaks to people and they're like listening for specific sentence and then they write it down right. and they're waiting right. for the next sentence and write it down. No, it's more about the inspiration. Like there's an inspiration of the scriptures where people keep their style, keep their mm-hmm. personality, keep the, the history doesn't change. The, the communication doesn't change between uh, the audience and the author. It's just that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, so I think it's a very important uh, point in them. Ephesians, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I like how you mentioned, too, that, that verse references weren't in the original letter, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and so I, I just want to encourage those listening and uh, maybe you and myself as we're going through this as a church, maybe at least once a week, read through the entire letter of Ephesians because as, as we start to read it more often and read it in its entirety, we'll really start to get a handle on exactly what Paul is talking about. Yeah. So I think that would be a good step for anyone who's excited about this series and really diving in to just spend time reading it through um, and and maybe even envisioning themselves as this Gentile Christian living in a, in. Ephesus, yeah. um, with all that background you talked about today, where there's like pagan worship uh, and um, witchcraft and that sort of thing going on. Right, and I would also add to even encourage people to to read it through uh, its entirety in one sitting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know sometimes it can be challenging. You really need to carve out time to do that, maybe like thirty minutes. But uh, what you do when you read it in one sitting, you're not leaving. Like who who reads a letter? And like right. different days of a week, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, I understand it's. It's also lengthy at times. So you know, God is God is good and a God of grace. But there's really power when you read it in one sitting because you're placing yourself in the congregation of the Ephesians, saying, mm-hmm. "What is Paul saying to us right now?" So I think that would be powerful. And you can read it over and over again if you want to go a step further. I remember um, when I was doing a Bible study uh, a while ago in France. 
um, we were studying the book of Philipp Philippians and I read it 18 times. Mm -hmm. And after 18 times, um, not in one sitting, obviously, but <laughs> I think it was over the course of two or three weeks, but 18 times. So I had such a deeper understanding of what Paul meant and what he was trying to communicate to these people. So it's, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were studying for um, delivering this information about Ephesians that you did today, um, what maybe is the most fascinating thing you discovered while you were looking into this? Is there something that really jumped out to you that maybe uh, maybe you had misunderstood or yeah. or didn't know from before? Just something that sticks to mind. I think it's the grandeur of um, the impact of Paul's ministry mm -hmm. really moved me to like my core. I mean, honestly, I don't see this likely, but I, when I was really diving into the book of Acts of these like, three chapters where it's all about the story of Ephesus, you really see something of a, of a revival. Uh, I mean, unprecedented, uh, you know, there's no equivalent to it really. Yeah. I mean, of course, today we hear stories of revival, but imagine this story of Paul this guy appointed by God, he goes into a city, the biggest city of Asia, the, the fourth biggest city in the Roman Empire, and preaches the gospel, and thousands and thousands of people are saved. And it's it's the way, like that expression that I right. kind of right. insisted on, people were just moved by the way of Jesus and this lifestyle. So I, that's what I hear when I hear of the way is Paul was just not announcing just a new doctrine. He was announcing a new lifestyle yeah. that just changes everything. So much that people like were surrendering their their books and their you know the occult practices, pagan worship, and uh, it radiated all around Asia. And so when you when you you stop and think about the impact of one man, not because Paul was this. Of course, he was special, but. Uh, I, he was a human being, right. mm -hmm. but God took hold of him and used him mightily. And so it makes you also desire and, and hunger for a move of God right. in these in days. And, you know, you think of different tar dark places in the world today. What would happen if, you know, a group of people bold enough to believe for God to do the impossible and surrender to God would announce the way mm -hmm. of Jesus? Uh, and even in our schools today, so many kids go into public schools and it's like Ephesus in modern, you know, time mm -hmm. because it's full of impurity. It's full of, uh, you know, pagan worship in a sense, like, right. you know, worship to entertainment and fashion and the, the, the worship of a body and all these things. And here's a student who, if he's taken hold, uh, you know, is completely surrendered to, to God, can be so influential about the way of Jesus. So I just... I, it stirred my faith really right. when I read that. So I, I want people to grasp the same thing and believe for God to move again. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, I'm I'm always impressed with Paul, um, his humility above all things. You know, he yeah. uh, he was, I mean, looking at it from our eyes today, like he's like the the champion of New yeah. Testament times, right? Uh, aside from Jesus, but in 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 starting the church to the Gentiles. Um, but he just he saw himself as like the least of the apostles, as the greatest of sinners. You know, he just had this humility that really drove everything. It's humility and love of God and love of people. And I think that's something that we should really try to emulate um, as as we're going about our ministries, what God has called us to do. Um, you know, we're not we're not called necessarily. I, I'm not called 
to say, go to a foreign country yeah. that has never heard about Jesus yeah. and start churches over there. That's just not where God has me right now. But yeah. in my ministry, in the ministry of people listening, God has them in a place where they can mm. act like Paul in his humility and his love towards other people. Right. Yeah. No, it is, it is really, um, it is powerful. And you think of also Ephesus, I don't know how many years Paul spent in Corinth, but I think it was like well, I spent Ephesus, but it was like, they say, scholars say it's one of the biggest missionary effort in centuries mm-hmm. of someone staying three years there and preaching every day. You know, and he had a lot of opposition. Like we think that every day he was like, multiple things happening but no he had also a lot of opposition but he had this group of disciples and it's a multiplication really of disciples mm-hmm. that's what happens yeah. movement and multiplication but every day we're being told in acts in the hall of turnus Ter- uh, uh however you say that um he would just you know preach the gospel and disciple them and every single day for three years right. uh so what a what a wonderful work it's so inspiring yes. yeah yeah it's really neat just uh thinking about Ephesus and uh, something that kind of jumped out to me as I've been studying, um, you you hear about Paul spending time in Ephesus. Um, I've heard of Timothy being in Ephesus. I've heard of the Apostle John being in Ephesus. But at Ephesus, but as I was studying, I kind of realized that it it really turned into like a central focal point for a lot of the the early. Uh, church fathers and church elders, uh, they all seem to find their way to Ephesus. So like you talked about this morning, it really was an important yeah. stronghold for the the way yeah. uh, in Asia Minor. And it really did help affect all of the area around it. So I thought that was really cool as well, how um, not just Paul was drawn to yeah. Ephesus, but others as well, other um, yeah. heroes of the New Testament. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to think of Turkey today and Greece, um, countries that often we forget, mm-hmm. but they have such a heritage. Um, you know, and of course, there's different battles at work mm-hmm. today. We you know we're in the Muslim world, and but you know, I will never see Turkey the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'll never see right. Turkey or other parts of Europe uh, the same way. But I, when I think of Paul's legacy, so um, yeah, it's really inspiring. Yeah. Um, so. Just quickly, let's kind of talk about maybe the structure of the letter to kind of set up for the weeks to come. Uh, You mentioned a few ways we can look at it as wealth, walk, warfare, or sit, walk, stand. Um, I like how Warren Wearsby kind of talks about it in his commentary. It's the first half is doctrine, where we're looking at our riches in Christ. And then uh, chapters four through six is more about duty, our responsibilities in Christ. So can you kind of just break it down quickly, how the letter is structured to maybe keep us in the right mindset as we're going forward in this series? Yeah, so when you enter chapter one, two, and three, you really enter into a lot of um, theological expose or, um, you know, praises to God, blessings. And uh, Paul is really... Uh, giving the foundation for their identity. Mm. And uh, we find the expression in Christ 27 times in the right. book of Ephesians. So it's like a lot. Yeah. Paul is really clearly uh, wanting to them to know uh, that, you know, their status, their identity is found in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, two, three is really a lot of beautiful, beautiful prayers, beautiful um I would say doctrines uh, that we, you know, currently celebrate. Mm-hmm. 
But then once you move to chapter four and five, you've got all these recommendations about how you should live your life right. today. And he, he uh, definitely stresses the importance of living differently with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on that's where we find that famous verse, you know, um, uh, husband, uh, honor your wives, you know, wives submit to your husbands and this kind of uh, mutual respect mm-hmm. and dynamic in the, in the marriages. And then you have also the relationship between the children and the parents and uh, the masters and the servants. So Paul is really breaking it down saying, hey, this is what happens mm-hmm. when you re- once you realize who you are in Christ, chapter 1 to 3, mm-hmm. this is what will happen in your right. life. This is exactly how it's going to demonstrate in your outward living. And then chapter 6 is, is still part of that, but he mm-hmm. does spend a bit of time talking about spiritual warfare because it was a very important aspect of their spiritual um, uh, necessity mm-hmm. in if he, if Ephesus because of the city, you know, pagan worship and all that. Um, Paul is wanting to make sure that they're fully equipped to right. face that. Yeah. And so um, that's kind of how the, the book is broken down. Awesome. Well, thanks, Pastor Luis, for this conversation and for bringing the word today, really breaking this down for us. So we have a uh, maybe maybe um, a mind ready to receive some of this doctrine and some of this uh, these ways that we should live our lives as we advance throughout the weeks. Yeah, Um, I know I'm excited about it. I know you're excited about it. I hope you guys listening are excited about this series as we dive deeper into the Grand Canyon of the New Testament. And so we just hope that you'd be blessed through this. We love you and we're praying for you. But for this week, that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.